Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 97 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Uh, today, Matt Stankowitz hosts the podcast. Uh, he's with the Volkoff Law Group, and if you follow him, you know that he is into cryptocurrency, digital currency. And uh, today, he has an interesting interview uh, discussion where with uh, Brad Cam, who is the co-founder of Unstoppable Domains, and uh, they discuss blockchain domains and trademarks. Um, and I hope you enjoy the uh, interview and discussion. Matt always seems to get uh, some interesting uh, people to appear on this, and I uh, hope you find it interesting. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Matt Stankowitz, Senior Associate from the Volkoff Law Group. Uh, today is another episode in my continuing series on blockchain and cryptocurrency. Uh, I've got an interesting one here today. I'll be speaking with uh, one of the co-founders of Unstoppable Domains, and this is a topic that everyone should be uh, relatively familiar with. Unstoppable Domains is a company working to place web domains on the blockchain. So think of extensions like .com, .net, or .io. Um, Unstoppable Domains will have their own extension launched as a smart contract on a public blockchain. So we'll get more into detail during our conversation, but these domains will have use for both payments and websites. So like I mentioned, today I've got co-founder and head of business development of Unstoppable Domains. Uh, today I've got Bradley Cam. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining us. Um, I've done some research already into the company, listened to a few of your other podcasts. Um, actually, a lot of interesting topics we can touch on, but... Um, before we get into that, can you just give us a background on yourself, um, kind of, you know, some of your experience and how before you moved into this role? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, first of all, I appreciate that intro. That was probably the the best summary of, of what we do that I've uh, that I've heard yet. So I uh, appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, my background, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm from Atlanta. I uh, started in the real estate world, was doing uh, real estate land investing companies back in the mid 2000s during the real estate boom. And then another a real estate investment company back in I think 2009, 2010, during after the real estate collapse, uh, and my partner on and co-founder on all those companies was Matt Gould, who is the CEO of Unstoppable Domains. So we went to high school together and have been working together for about 15 years. Uh, moved out to Silicon Valley in 2012 uh, to work on a company called Talkable that I co-founded. It's a marketing software company building refer a friend programs for e-commerce companies. So it's a SaaS marketing automation platform. I spent six years working on that with CEO of the last three, uh, and uh, stepped back to the board about a year ago to uh, focus full time on on crypto. I'd been an enthusiast since maybe 2012. I moved into this uh, kind of crazy Bitcoin hacker house called Twenty Mission in San Francisco when I first moved. So everybody I met was uh, was you know doing something in crypto back when the market cap was below a billion dollars. And it was, you know, a real, a really, really strange, strange community and world. And so I kind of always knew I was going to be doing something in crypto eventually. Um, so I took a few months off, was the first investor in Unstoppable and was uh, talking with Matt very closely about the idea and all and various aspects and then decided to uh, start working on it full time in October of 2018. Strange world and strange industry indeed. <laughs> I mean, certainly changed uh, significantly over the past few years, but um, I know some would still consider it to be <laughs> to still be like that. Um, so, you know, before, again, before we get into unstoppable domains, what was it um, about blockchain and cryptocurrency that 
um, really drew you in because I know we do have a lot of listeners that are still kind of um, hesitant about it, still trying to, before they dive in, get their feet wet, um, learn a little more about it. So what was it for you that really hooked you? Uh, well, I have a political background, so I went to, you know, I, I studied uh, international politics in college, even went to grad school for a few months, focusing on, you know, corruption and Middle Eastern politics and a whole bunch of other things. And uh, I always just saw, I always saw central banks and money as being such a, you know, just such a key part of the, of, you know, the problem with, you know, just global politics. And uh, I didn't really assume there was a solution. I just assumed, you know, there was just always going to be this massive corruption baked into our society. And uh, then I discovered crypto as a solution. And um, that, that just, that just hooked me. It's uh, there's a revolutionary aspect, um, but it's uh, it's a real and specific and already now battle tested uh, technology to solve problems like global corruption. Right. So that eventually led you into um, your current company. So can you kind of describe a little more about how that came about? I mean, what was the uh, the genesis? What was that spark that lighted that fire? Yeah. So this idea of domain names uh, and domain names replacing cryptocurrency addresses has been something that's been floating around in the blockchain world for uh, several years now. I mean, I would say going back to 2013, uh, we were having conversations about it. And uh, the thing that sort of changed was when Ethereum, uh, when Ethereum launched and started getting some traction in 2016, actually, I would say it's more like 2017, uh, we started to see real applications that were able to function on a smart contract platform. That was the moment when we all sort of said, okay, wait a second, all of these applications that exist on the regular internet that would benefit from decentralization can now work. Like now it's time. So Ethereum created a their own domain extension in 2017. And that was an initial inspiration for for uh, for us. Uh, we built a prototype uh, using uh, using that system. And then determined that the real, you know, the, the real opportunity and also the real solution that the market needed was uh, was something somewhat different, and that there was already a, a business model for this uh, in the market, which is uh, the registry business. So we look at Verisign, the owner of .com, as probably the you know the most similar uh, the most similar business to what we're doing, except that we're we're building on blockchains. Great. So the um, let's see. So uh, as I discussed in the intro, the um, you know two really key components of this company is for payments and then websites. Um, so from what I understand, websites is coming down the line a little bit, but the initial use will be for uh, facilitating payments between uh, cryptocurrency wallets. Uh, can you dive into that a little more? Because this is something that I definitely think is needed in, in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And so the way that it works, it's actually very similar to what happened with the consumer internet and the, the launch of the consumer internet in the first place, which was uh, DNS uh, on top of IP addresses. So labels and nicknames for your IP addresses uh, was the thing that enabled search and enabled me to just tell you what a website was and all these things that, that caused the World Wide Web to become uh, popular and a standard. So for cryptocurrency payments, you have this problem where you have you know, an Ethereum address is 40 characters long, uh, and it's impossible to just remember it and tell somebody. So right now, what you have to do is go into a wallet, go into your wallet, copy and paste your address, uh, get the email address of the person that you want to send to, uh, send them that you 
sorry, that you want to receive money from, send them your, uh, your cryptocurrency address. They need to copy and paste it into the wallet and then send to you. Um, so it's a huge problem. And the way that, that our system works is we make it easy for you to attach, uh, your cryptocurrency addresses to your domain. So you can attach your Bitcoin address and your Ethereum address and your Litecoin address and all of your cryptocurrency addresses to this one domain. And then when I go into a wallet, instead of having to type in that long address or ask you what it is, I can just type in your blockchain domain uh, and then my wallet will go and look up the correct address, drop it in and then pay. So it's uh, what DNS did for IP addresses uh, we're doing for cryptocurrency payments. Now, this, this is actually relevant to me. I have a funny little anecdote about why, um, you know, I wish I've had this in the past. Um, uh, so I'm the, you know, I'm a user of cryptocurrency. I had um, a friend who owed me some money and he asked if he could pay in Bitcoin. Um, you know, I said, sure, no problem. That actually be, would, would be great. Why not? Um, he, <laughs> he keeps his Bitcoin on So he's a gambler. He plays online poker and um, the currency they use is Bitcoin. Um, in order to disincentivize people from transferring the money off the, um, off the site, they make you type in that ad, type in the wallet address you're going to send the money to um, one character at a time. You're not allowed to copy and paste. So, you know, as you mentioned, the characters can be, you know, 40 characters long, long or so. Um, it's, you know, numbers, letters, symbols, whatever it is, and very easy to get wrong. <laughs> so having a simple name where, you know, for example, Matt at, um, you know, .zil would be um, infinitely easier. And just to kind of, you know, transfer that back to some real world problems in case, you know, um, some of our listeners don't use wallet addresses. Um, think of typing in a, when you're tracking a package, you know, UPS will send you that um, package tracking number and, you know, same thing. It could be 20 characters long, letters, and numbers, and I never get it right the first time. So imagine <laughs> you're trusting the transfer of money to entering that um, perfectly on the first try. So, you know, just kind of, you know, bringing it back to unstoppable domains, that's one of the problems you, you guys are attempting to solve, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, this is a problem that pretty much anybody who has, who has paid in cryptocurrency before has had to face. And usually what you do is you just kind of panic, you know, and you send a really mm -hmm. small amount of, you know, if you want to send somebody $10,000, you start with maybe like 50 cents, you know, and just test it out make sure that it worked first. Um, right. so we're all doing these kinds of things uh, out of paranoia about 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 messing up. Uh, so that just tells you how you know how kind of how difficult it is at this point. And then there's this other problem of you there's there's a lot of currencies out there. A lot of them have a lot of of use, especially in different places around the world. And to be a global payment system, uh, you want to be able to accept multiple currencies. So these domains solve that problem too. You can have, 200 different cryptocurrency addresses all attached to this one domain. And now it's just your payment gateway. You can advertise it wherever uh, people can just pay you directly. So, how, so you know, roughly how many um, cryptocurrencies will be, um, will you guys be able to accept through the domain names, at least initially? There's no limit. So the only, the only limitations placed on it are uh, wallets that support our library. So wallets need to support our library in order to be able to read the domains and go and find the addresses. So it's more about the wallets that we integrate with. So initially I think we'll have uh, a few, I, I don't know what the exact number is of, uh, of currencies supported, but it'll probably be, you know, somewhere around 10 
uh, I think that uh, very quickly that number could could rise to could rise to a lot. Mm-hmm. And there now, is no. Mm, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. I was just saying there's no limit. Gotcha. Um, so the the system will initially be built on the Zilliqa uh, blockchain and. Um, one, correct me if I'm wrong in that regard. And two, um, why choose Zilliqa over some of the more, um, I guess, to, I guess top blockchains such as such as, as Ethereum. Yeah. So I think the first the first answer. So yes, it's on Zilliqa. I think the first answer is that which blockchain you build on is not really a end user consideration. Uh, the way that our domains will work is that you'll be able to attach any cryptocurrency address to them that you want. So whether you have it on this blockchain or that blockchain, you as the user aren't going to notice, um, we don't think. So it's more a question of, you know, for us as developers, why did we choose it? And one was one, one reason was uh, we think it is a top blockchain. Um, and from a technical perspective, our, our CTO essentially reviewed 40 different uh, platforms and determined that this was, you know, this was essentially the smartest that he saw. Um, and, uh, and then the other answer is, is that, yeah, we'll, we'll build on other blockchains as well. Uh, we want to make it very clear to the market that we are blockchain agnostic and that our products will be meant for, uh, initially the entire cryptocurrency community, uh, and then eventually the entire world. Uh, and that this idea that people should even care or that your listeners should even care about which blockchain something something is on. Uh, is something is a is a notion that we're proactively trying to uh, trying to dissuade people from. Uh, we don't think it matters, and we just think it's the wrong focus for users. Right, and that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of how it is with the you know the internet in general, anyway. Um, you know, the majority of people who use you know standard domains, checking Facebook, using email, don't really understand how DNS servers work and <laughs> the underlying structure of it. So you know, I I certainly get that as well. And, and there are actually multiple protocols that are being used in order for your internet to work. And, you know, I'm sure no one's noticing that either. Right. <laughs> so perfect segue then to, you know, part two of unstoppable domain. So, um, after building the, you know, payment processing, um, you guys will be shifting or maybe already have it, have it set up already, um, to hosting websites on these domains. Uh, can you talk about that as well? Yeah. So the crazy thing about a blockchain domain is that it does both of these things at the same time. So it can work as your payment address inside of a wallet. I type in your domain, I can pay you. It can work inside of a browser as a website. I type in your domain, I see your website content. Uh, and so both of those things just both of those things just just work based on the way that the technology uh, the technology works. What we're doing right now around payments is we're trying to make it easy. Uh, but once the domains are out there, uh, anyone can use both of these features. They can build them themselves. We're just trying to build user tools to make it easy. So we're starting with the payments. And then the next step is, as you mentioned, uh, hosting. So we're building a, a decentralized hosting service that we hope to be live uh, by the end of the year in Q4 of 2019. And the way it will work is uh, it will be like a subscription that you will pay in order to have your website hosted on multiple different people's uh, servers, nodes, as they say, uh, on a decentralized storage network like IPFS, which is uh, one of the probably the most um, robust one at this point. So all that's happening is you're having a 
uh, multiple copies of your website stored uh, across a random group of of uh, of servers, and that way, if anyone turns it off, uh, you have a website that uh, that just but on the content side uh, can't be shut down. And then on the domain side, uh, you control it yourself. So you are your own custodian for your domain. It's an asset uh, on the blockchain that sits inside of your wallet. So just like a cryptocurrency, it's in your wallet. You need to have the private key in order to move it. Uh, and so the combination of a domain controlled by you and content on a decentralized storage network means that you now have a website that only you can put up and only you can take down. And this is very different than the way it works with traditional domains because a traditional domain has a custodian. GoDaddy is the custodian of your, of your digital asset or Google Domains is or whomever. But there's no way to custody your own domain in the traditional DNS system. Right. So building on that, that you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but that means that unstoppable domains, um, you, know, you guys specifically would not be able to shut down domains uh, once they're on the blockchain. No, we would not. Gotcha. So completely uncensorable. Um, once it's up, it's running until the end user wants to shut it down. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> raises raises a whole lot of questions. I mean, it's um, you know that, that's something that we see now on the uh, on the internet where uh, you know court orders requesting sites getting taken down and um, yeah, I mean this just opens you know Pandora's box. Um, one thing I want to discuss, though, specifically with regards to this, and you know, we we had discussed a little bit before we came on air. Um, you had some, you wanted to discuss a little bit about the IP applications and uh, you know some some trademark issues. Uh, you know, you want to, do you want to dive into that now? Uh, yeah. So the 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 kind of you know, so there's this concept of custodying your own custodying your own asset once the domains are out there in the world. Uh, unstoppable domains can't do anything. Uh, we can't move a domain around, uh, nothing, because just like a cryptocurrency, it is controlled by you. So one of the things that we're trying to do uh, in order to ensure that our first domain extension, Dodzilla, is successful uh, is we're trying to get trademark holders. We're trying to get domains in the hands of trademark holders, uh, the correct trademark holders. So we have emulated the process uh, that a traditional domain extension goes through. Uh, which they call a sunrise period. So this is this is uh, the process: is you announce your new domain extension, you run through a pre-order phase where you get some initial uh, initial interest and initial buyers, and you seek out trademark holders and ask if they want to uh, claim their domains. And they provide uh, proof of trademark verification. We're actually working with a uh, a registrar provider called Encirca uh, that's doing this. And we're on. We're in the process of onboarding trademark holders right now. So essentially, what we've done is we have identified the most likely trademark domains and have held them. So they will be held until September 1st, and so trademark holders will have essentially until then uh, to provide proof of trademark and then elect to uh, to claim their domains. So this is a way for brands to. Uh, continue with their general strategies of, you know, domain brand protection, but at the same time, also get the opportunity to play around with uh, with blockchain asset and with global cryptocurrency payments. 
So for companies that are trying to learn how this technology works, as well as kind of dip, you know, you know, dip their feet in a little bit, uh, I think a domain might be a, might be an interesting way to do that. Now, how can you know, we have a lot of corporate listeners? So, you know, this will likely resonate with a lot of them. Um, how can they go about protecting it? Um, who do they contact? Where do they need to go find out for more information? Um, yeah. What do they need to know? Uh, I think the best way to do it is to con is to contact me directly, Brad at unstoppabledomains.com. Uh, we also have some, we have some, we have some trademark information. We have, you know, flyers and things like that, that we can definitely distribute. Maybe I can even just share that with you direct if that's, uh, if that's relevant to everybody. Um, but that might be a good thing for everyone to consume. Yeah, that'd actually be a good idea. We can include it in the show notes and have a direct link to it. Um, yeah, we'll discuss that <laughs> offline <laughs> afterwards. But um, yeah, I think that would be a good idea because I think this is going to be something that um, jumps out to a lot of our, a lot of our listeners. Yeah, and the one thing that we're trying to kind of make clear because this is pretty different from traditional domain traditional domains, and so we were at the you know, the International Trademark Conference in Boston, for example, talking to folks about this. And the biggest thing that's different is that once distribution happens, uh, once the domains are live on the blockchain, there is no way to get them back. And so what happens currently, oftentimes in the trademark world, is that uh, you know, companies will wait, wait until there's misuse, uh, and then sue and get a court order uh, to go and get the domain taken down. And so we're having to communicate to people that on the one hand, uh, these domains can be held by anonymous people. Um, so you won't know who they are. You won't have any mechanism for tracking them down to buy it. That's one problem. Uh, but the other problem is that domain seizures and domain takedowns are impossible. So uh, if you care about it, there is, there is sort of a, a time limit. You don't have the same uh, mechanism to, uh, to go back and, and fix things later. Uh, no one does. And what is that time limit? You mentioned September. September first, yeah. So that's when the that's when the process is going to end. So that's been the sort of biggest uh, education curve uh, piece of this, because in the traditional domain world, there's there's a, there's a slightly separate uh, process and approach because the technology works differently. Right. And not to jump around, but um, well, I'm going to jump around regardless. <laughs> but the uh, um, your last uh, point brought up something interesting I wanted to jump into. Um, the, uh, you mentioned the domains can be held anonymously. So that was one of my questions um, about the privacy aspect behind it, because right now through um, ICANN registrations, you can look up and uh, I may have the terminology wrong, but the who is um, registration where everyone has, every domain is registered publicly and you could look up that information um, you may be able to hide behind certain um, companies that will register for you, whatever. Um, but is that not going to be the case with unstoppable domains? There won't be any public information for each domain? Not necessarily. Any any information is opt-in by the user. So it's it's whatever they publish. And, and you can publish and write information to your domain name. Uh, so it somebody could make it very easy. They could be very public. They could put their email address they could put their contact, other contact information. They could put a list price saying, you don't even need to talk to me. Just pay me this. Mm -hmm. They can do whatever they want. You can, cause all you're, all you're doing, writing information to the blockchain like that is extremely easy. Uh, but the difference is there's no requirement. So there's no requirement for them to be known. And these are extremely liquid digital assets, meaning that even if somebody buys it from us and we know who they are, uh, they could very easily resell it to anyone in the world inside of a minute. 
Now, you mentioned if they buy from you and you know who they are, will you know who um, all the domain holders are? Or are they even allowed to be anonymous from you? Uh, I mean, they would be. We require an email address, um, which is the information that we currently have. Mm-hmm. And that's it? No name, no um, nothing else? Not at this time. Cool. Interesting. I mean, privacy was, you know, obviously the biggest point of cryptocurrency when it first started, um, you know, hence the name crypto and it's um, cryptographical underpinnings. Um, so, yeah, I certainly <laughs> I certainly get that. Um, in, in general, we see, you know, we we see that, you know, you know, privacy as being a use case, but not the only use case. Um, we think that, you know, if you look at the Internet, there's a lot of activities that uh, you know, need to be private in order to be safe and protected around speech, and, well, you know, free speech and things like that. But the majority of activity is relatively public. And I think that would not be surprising if that was the case with uh, with blockchain technology as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sounds very interesting. So, you know, we've touched on a few dates already, such as, you know, trademark registration going until September. Um, in terms, just in general for the company, timeline, um, you know, what do you guys got coming up? What's next? And when do you expect to be um, locked and loaded, fully functional? Yeah. So the big the big headlines are uh, we have a so we're starting up our auction for top dot uh, domains that starts tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. PST. Uh, you can check it out on the website. Uh, the next big headline is on July 9th. We will be going live. Um, so we will be pushing the smart contract on the blockchain. The domains will be distributed. They will be inside of people's wallets and they will work inside of uh, our initial partner apps. So that will be July 9th. That's a really big day for us. We've been uh, pushing toward that for months. Uh, Are you excited for it? <laughs> I am excited for it. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's been a little theoretical for people um, for a while. And uh, I'm excited for it to just be real, for people to just be, uh, be sending money to each other. Right. And apologies to interrupt. Um, you, it sounded like you were about to go on to a few more dates. So if you've got anything else to add, um, yeah, please continue. Yeah. So next after that is that we'll have a listing service uh, for domains. So that should be uh, that should be a, a, about. Actually, I'm sorry. That should be about four weeks after the uh, uh, after after we launch, and then uh, we'll also have a public auction for. Uh, so we have two phases of our auction. We have the top 60 domains that are going up tomorrow, and then we have the remaining uh, the remaining domains where essentially you can bid on anything uh, in a public on-chain auction uh, in four weeks. Great. Looking forward to it. Um, we'll get some of those dates up in the show notes as well. So um, regardless, so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll add them in there with a little more information. Um so I would just like to shift a little bit um, while, we, while we've got some time left to the industry in general. Um, there's been a whole lot of concern recently. Um, you know, new re- regulations are popping up. Um, we know certain things are coming down the pipe. There's also um, a little concern because things are a little ambiguous and we're not sure about all the details of it. Um, you are in a unique position compared to some of the others that I've talked to on this podcast where you seem to have been in from um, the ground roots. So you may have a new... Um, or a different um, sense or, or, or feel about the industry. Um, how do you feel about cryptocurrency regulation? I know a lot of very anti-regulation, but you know, where do you stand? I think it's a, not a easy. Uh, it's not an easy or clear answer because there's 
a few different things. I think that there, from from my view, there's a big difference between what happens in the custody world and what happens in the non-custody world. So, uh, in terms of you know companies like Coinbase or others, you know all the exchanges or others that are actually holding money for users, I think you know regulation around the around that sort of stuff is uh, extremely important and valuable. Uh, except the bit license in New York, that was really silly. So they they <laughs> they, they kind of they overcomplicated it. They probably they may have even done it on purpose. So so you know it's not like it's it's not like you can't mess it up. I just think that in principle, that's good. Uh, I think in, in principle, regulation of pure software that is non-custodial is extremely bad and would kill the industry and kill one of probably the, you know, potentially one of the biggest industries that will exist in the United States and will just simply move it to other places. So that would be disaster. And then I think somewhere in between is some of this stuff that's been going on and the regulation around the tokens and things like that. And, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe there's a way to do the token stuff, like token fundraising stuff safely. I don't really have a good answer for how to do it safely. So I understand why regulators crack down on it. I'm glad there's less of it in the United States. I don't know how to write a law to make, to solve these problems, but I am glad that there's less of it than there was, you know, um, you know, 15 months ago, not every single app needs their own currency. In fact, that would be a terrible user experience. So uh, it's usually a bad user experience to have an extra currency mixed in because you have to exchange in and out of it. So, yeah, that's my uh, that's my short, actually medium medium length answer. <laughs> right. No, that, that's interesting though. That that actually wasn't um, what I was expecting to hear from you. Um, you know, I agree with you that I think it's good that um, uh, they've cracked down on some of the um, more reckless um, ICOs. You know, we've seen a lot pop up get a lot of money and then vanish overnight. <laughs> so I think those need to, you know, those certainly need to be cracked down on, especially because it just gives a bad name to the industry in general. Um, it keeps the general population out and um, just, just not good all around. Um, but again, I, I was a little surprised to hear that from you, knowing that, you know, knowing your roots, because um, generally what I hear from um, individuals that have been in for, you know, been in this space for a long time is they want no regulation. <laughs> Government stay out, don't touch. This is ours. Um, you know, we don't, you know, you're just going to ruin it for us. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think it's quite that simple, but I, I do mm-hmm. think that in general regulators are, are bad at it. So that's a different argument, right? You know, that the regulations that are like, it, it, would there be good solutions? And then are those the solutions that are chosen is probably a very different question. So I think some of it comes from just a, a fear that it's going to be done incorrectly. And again, after watching the bit license, I think that's a pretty reasonable case to make that um, it's not going to be done successfully. So ambiguity works out. I think America just might ultimately just prefer the ambiguous case-by-case approach. That's what it seems like. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe that's actually better in some ways because it's more flexible and then it can be based a little bit, decisions can be based a little bit more on the intentions of the parties, um, which might actually be a better filter anyway. Right. Um, So I think that's probably why why it's a uh, why it's kind of a I think in, in general though we're we as a company and you know we as people are very I guess non-ideological about a lot of this stuff we're very pragmatic like we've always you know done regular businesses before before unstoppable so we're not it, there's not like some there's not some like perfect anarchic decentralized world that's going to just like 
take on and, and take, you know, and take over in a stable way. It's much better, I would bet, to incrementally move towards, you know, breaking down current systems and rebuilding systems in a fairer and more distributed way that involve more people and all that stuff. But that, you know, anything that happens too quickly or too abruptly will just lead to new problems and actually maybe maybe not even uh, solve the solve the problems it was trying to solve. So looking forward a little bit um, in terms of the cryptocurrency industry in general, not you know not related to regulations or anything. Um, where do you see it, or maybe where do you hope to see it within the next five, maybe ten years? I mean, it it I don't see why people are going to be using regular money as much, fiat government money as much. It just doesn't. Just doesn't seem like it makes sense. Like I just don't know why you would want money that inflates like that when you have all this money that doesn't. So, especially just you know this, the software design of of this type of money is just it's just better. So it just it, to me it seems somewhat inevitable that it becomes a, a, a broader standard. And then I think on the internet side it becomes almost inevitable that you know users start to control their data, applications just get to read it that. Um, Privacy becomes a standard that uh, all these applications that act as gatekeepers right now will go away and tools will be uh, essentially uh, open source and accessible around the world and that that's going to lead to a much freer society. Uh, and that's also going to lead to wide adoption. I don't see why you won't have 2 billion people using uh, using cryptocurrency networks for at least some things, at least some payments, at least some content. You know, I, I don't. I, that seems that seems inevitable to me at this point. It's just, it's just so much better, and the current systems are so broken. And um, we've been papering over that for a while, but I just I think the the cracks are really starting to show, and uh, people in the U.S. and people around the world are starting to see like Facebook can't handle the problems that they're trying to face. You know, central bank can't handle the problems that are coming up. I, I just I just I don't I don't I don't have faith that the current parties have solutions. And, uh, I, I think even people that are not necessarily on the cryptocurrency bandwagon would agree that, um, what we've been, what we've been doing is just, it's just not going to work anymore. Right. So the answer is removing some of those uh, middlemen, putting it on a blockchain and yeah, just decentralizing things. Um, you know, you, you mentioned adoption there, um, unstoppable domains, obviously doing their part in helping to facilitate adoption, um, as we wrap this up, any final thoughts that you'd like to add? Um, anything that we, that we missed in this podcast that you'd like to address? I think that sometimes there's this view that, that you know, decentralizing like this is, is dangerous, and I understand where the fear comes from. But I think it's also really important for people to keep in mind that you know, globally, globally what happens – is that the majority of people that use networks and technologies use them for things that are good and morally acceptable. It's, it's 95%. And that in the 5% cases, applications and organizations and all the people using blockchain, blockchain technology are going to do everything they can to prevent those people uh, from being successful, from using it for, for, uh, for bad purposes. But most importantly, like, the the imperative of global free speech seems to me to be the most important to be the most important goal and it's something that this type of technology uh enables and i if you look around the world you, 
you sh- you should be able to see free speech being attacked in all kinds of places, uh, and that it's becoming uh, it's getting worse. It's been getting worse over the past few years, and so that should be the biggest problem that we're worried about because it messes up everything else. Right. Yeah. I can't, I can't disagree with that. Um, you know, again, unstoppable domains doing, doing the work to, uh, you know, help combat that. Um, again, for more information, um, unstoppable domains.com, you got, you guys have a Twitter unstoppable web, uh, any other, any other ways that our listeners can get more information? Uh, those are probably the best. Telegram channel. Do you guys have telegram? Telegram is extremely one. active. Yeah. Unstoppable domains, telegram channel. It's uh, yeah, there's a, there's a chat going on 24 seven. Awesome. All right, guys, be sure to check it out. Um, Brad, thank you very much again. Um, this is Matt Stankwitz, senior associate with the Volkoff law group. This has been another episode of the corruption, crime and compliance podcast. Again, I was here with Brad cam co-founder and head of business development with unstoppable domains. Brad, thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Take care.